0: Hello, it's me again, Lewis Beryl, CEO of Rocketplace and host of The Startup Stack. We're back this week with a little Hanukkah slash early Christmas slash winter solstice holiday of your choice treat.
1: Happy holidays!
0: If you listen to the show, you know that I talk a lot about the fun parts of running a business, but I also talk about the less fun parts, the big whoopsies, the mistakes we've made the ones we've learned from the hard way. We've heard some pretty great ones on the startup stack. And we thought, what better way to end the year than to string them all together? A celebration of mistakes made, a Festivus of sorts, just in time for the new year. So we picked five big whoopsies. Here they are in no particular order. Whoopsie number one is courtesy of Jessica Brondo-Davidoff of business production and consulting company, Sprezzatura. Here we go.
2: So, oh God! I mean, the the biggest challenge for me is I am like by nature a problem solver, and so when I'm working with founders and clients, and they come to me with a problem that doesn't necessarily fit within the scope of what we had agreed upon, I'm so inclined to just like dive in and help, and so. I I had to do a lot of work in the early days of really focusing in on what we do and what we don't do. Um, and being really mindful of running this, like a business instead of kind of running it, in the way of just like, I want to solve all the problems. I don't care what was in the scope of our agreement. I just want to help because you get to be so close with your clients when they're in those early days and you have this incredible bond. So it it was very unnatural for me to say like, okay, well I can definitely do that or my team can help with that, but we would just need to kind of add an additional scope. So I, I would say it was really defining what we do, what we don't do. And then also, um, being mindful of, not allowing for, you know, scope creep.
0: Whoopsie number two is from Mike Stone of software development agency, The Nar. It, it wasn't a huge deal, but within the first year, we had one where we had to uh, loan back the company some money in order to make payroll, which was pretty nerve wracking. It was really tough because we had so much money in like accounts receivable that clients owed us, but we weren't maybe like getting paid on time or the terms were too far out our payroll was draining our bank account so it's like man we should have all this money but we still have to pay our engineers you know on the cadence that we we have so uh we ended up having to to loan it back it ended up as no big deal cuz you know, we just got refunded when the cash came in but yep. uh it was a big like eye opening experience of like oh this can happen and we should make sure we do whatever we can so it doesn't that brings us to whoopsie number 3 from Daria Gonzalez of design agency Wonder Dogs.
3: we started as a very non traditional Creative agency because neither me nor Olga, my co-founder, had kind of a pure you know designer or brand strategist experience, and uh, we ha- we struggled a bunch yep. <laughs> because we didn't have it. But we also um, managed to leverage our difference, and uh, I think what really works for us as a Wonder Dogs is our additional experience. We're not only designers; we're also former investors, former founders, you know, operationists and so on. And I think a lot of times if, you know, if we talk exclusively about designers and design world, a lot of times designers stay designers. So they can be very keen and adept in terms of design principles and new trends and tools. But if you want to really launch an agency and you want to be a solo or you want to be a solo who serves clients, you have to be more than that. Um, You have to really educate yourself on the type of industry the clients work in and on the type of, you know, just kind of where the world goes, where their business goes. Because what's important, especially nowadays, at least with the clients that we work with, is that you're not just providing design, you're helping them solve their business problems by means of design and creativity
0: this is true whether you're do- building a design agency or an accounting firm.
3: Exactly, exactly. You have to understand what are their pressing needs, how to address them, and think kind of beyond, you know, as I mentioned before, what's cool or trendy, um, and more into what actually is the solution, what can help them, what can empower them.
0: With whoopsie number four, here's Ilya Brotsky of global recruiting agency VanHack.
1: Yeah, um, early days, actually, most people don't know this, but Van Hack, we, in the beginning, had uh, me and three other co founders. Um, and uh, that that was really, really difficult. I actually, I started as a side project and really didn't like, because what you said, the second question of like, when you know it was, was going to be successful. At first, I totally did not think it was going to be successful at all. I just said, because I had done all these different projects that never worked out. Like in Brazil, the startup I worked at didn't work out. Uh, um, just a bunch of stuff were kind of a bunch of failure after failure, uh, about like three years of things mm-hmm. not working out. Uh, and so when I started Vanhack, it was just, uh, it wasn't even starting it. It was just kind of like, okay, I'm going to try this project. And I remember having like a Facebook Messenger, Group with me and three other people, and we're just like this. Is, this project sounds cool. Let's start it. And um, I actually started off um, giving everyone the same amount of equity, which is like a big learning less lesson. With, without vesting or anything like that, it's like okay, we all get 25% uh, for for uh, for co-founders, um, and that caused a lot of headaches. Because uh, even in like the first two weeks, we had to let the first person go because she just went on vacation and like didn't tell us, and it was this huge miscommunication. We actually didn't even meet in person. It was uh, so we had one two people in Brazil, two people in Canada, and the people and they are all living in different cities, so. Anyway, I can go on and on about that, but a uh, lo- long story short, there it was um, ended up getting rid of all those co- like the three co-founders. One one harder, more stressful than the other, um, and now it's it's my 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 wife and I are kind of working together in the business. But people and hiring was just super hard, and also on the tech side, like I'm not a technical co-founder like I'm not technical at all mm-hmm. I can make a WordPress site and that's what Van Heck was in the beginning actually it was, it was a landing page in the beginning uh, using unbounds mm-hmm. uh, yeah, was like it was all just off the shelf off-the-shelf off software um, and building our first actual product was a huge pain because one of the co-founders who was like um, uh, the, uh, in the early early stage uh, I don't know if you call him co-founder one of the people early days who started the company with me um he he was like in charge of tech and he took three months off he just, he he also, he moved uh, to Dublin and uh, he, his friend was doing the coding. It just was a mess. I, yeah. and, and so like that feeling of not being able to have confidence in my product being built because I'm not technical um, and having to rely on others and others not delivering and just like scratching, like like just um, pulling my hair out of, I don't, I don't know what to do to make this happen. Um, was really, really hard in the beginning. Um, and uh, yeah, now we use Vanag to, to hire developers. And um, one of our um, kind of first employees is now our CTO. And he's, he's amazing. We built a really great team. We're at the finish line, folks. Here's our
0: final whoopsie of 2020. And it comes from Jessica Ma of accounting firm Indonero.
4: Our first big challenge when we first started the business, and this is, you know, widely uh, shared about uh, if you just do a search for Indonero, it's that we, our first Business model just didn't work out. We were building a software that was a finance dashboard, really targeted for sole proprietors. And a lot of them just weren't willing to pay for our solution. So we ran out of all the funding we had raised, about a million dollars and change, and started completely from scratch and bootstrapped the Indonero that we have today, which is full-service accounting and tax solution for businesses. And it looks like it's been up and to the right ever since, but that's also not the case. Uh, A few years into doing that, so probably 2015, 2016, we just scaled out way too quickly. I mean, I hired dozens and dozens of extra sales reps and accountants and people who, uh, you know, just weren't cost-effective. We were just burning cash and we were getting good top-line growth, but it was just so unprofitable, the type of growth we were getting. And my thought was, all right, if we just grow like this, we could go out, raise money to cover up those problems. I didn't consciously think about it that way, but I thought we'll just optimize the model and do a better job over time. And and then, you know, it kind of dawned on me that I didn't want to run a business that way. So uh, we had to do a decent-sized layoff. I mean, we probably laid off 40, 50 people um, at that point, um, got to profitability almost immediately, and um, and it kind of taught me this lesson of really understanding the underlying, you know, not just uh Long term profitability of hiring salespeople, but also what's the cash flow, right? Like, I got to eat my own dog food within Monero here, where everyone talks about um, this concept of a uh, CAC to LTV ratio. And so, for those who don't know, it's the cost of acquisition. How much does it cost you to acquire a customer rel- relative to what's the lifetime value of a customer? Um, and people say, oh, my CAC to LTV uh, ratio is. Whatever, 5x or 10x, meaning over the lifespan of a customer, you're going to make 5x more or 10x more than what you're paying and advertising or sales to get that customer. The problem is, what if that uh what if the return, the payback period just to offset your cost of acquisition takes you a year to get there, or two years to get there, or three years to get there? Sure, you might have a good ratio, but you're just burning so much cash along the way. And that's what was happening to us. We thought we had great. A great cat LTV ratio, and it was. It was just didn't work on a reasonable time frame.
0: And there you go. All the whoopsies.
4: Wait, Lewis, you're not going
2: to share your whoopsie?
0: Oh, oh come on.
2: <laughs> come on, Lewis. You have to share your own big whoopsie. Whoopsie. <laughs> whoopsie.
0: <laughs> uh, okay, okay, okay. So maybe that's not all the whoopsies. So those are my producers, by the way. And I guess they're right. I have plenty of whoopsies of my own. So I'll do whoopsie number six and share one of my many big whoopsies. Okay. So, um, one that I talk a lot about with other entrepreneurs is, is scaling your team. And one of the things that you have to watch out for when scaling your team is, is what I like to call management debt. And so, you know, we're all familiar with, with technical debt, but what, what about management debt? I think the whoopsie for me was at at my last company, um, as we really started to grow the business, um, we always felt behind because we had, you know, we had customers coming in all the time, revenues growing, everything's growing. We thought that the solution in order to catch up was to go on a massive hiring spree. I think the ambition for the team and where we probably ultimately hit was something like we forexed the team in a year. And the thing that happened while we were doing that was that instead of speeding up we actually slowed down and you know that might be a little bit counterintuitive but what was happening was the entire focus of the company became around interviewing the processes hadn't really been set up to really make sure that we were monitoring how we were how we were building the company, building product and executing on our engineering tasks, et cetera, while also doing our interviewing efficiently. And so you could imagine all of the sourcing of candidates, the review of resumes, the actual interviewing, the discussions that happen post-interviewing with the team, maybe the re-interviews, You know, the phone calls with the candidates, the selling. After actually the candidates start, you have to onboard them. Now they need managers and training they need feedback and accountability. As the team is growing, especially when it starts growing by multiples, there's a ton of cultural elements that are changing. Because actually, you know, if you just double in size, it's like you brought on a whole new company. But what happens if you triple or quadruple in size? My mistake was really just doing all of that too quickly. And I think that you know, um, now I'm on the board of a couple of companies and I advise many. As I see in those companies, them really starting to scale and grow more quickly. And they start talking about these hiring plans where, you know, Hey, we're four engineers today, but we're hoping by the next year we're going to be 16 engineers. I'm always like, well, you know, these are the things you need to watch out for because if you really want to move quickly, you have to find that balance between bringing on more people to the team where you can get more stuff done while at the same time, actually doing the work to get the stuff done. So yeah, for me, the big whoopsie was hiring way too fast, bloating the team. And ultimately what that resulted in was, eh, it was probably about 18 months later, we probably ended up letting mm, maybe 15 to 20% of that team go with the way we looked at that was that might've been maybe the low, lower performing bit of the team when we did let, let those people go. I I still think that that it was totally our fault as a company because by not setting up the process right, by not having the right managers, by not having the right training, and maybe not even having the right interview process, we didn't really set either those individuals or the company up for success to bring on that level of team. Um, And what ended up happening, it kind of, we all just ground to a halt. And then we're like, well, we kind of have to cut some of this. To get more efficient again. So was it necessary for the company? Sure. But I still view that as our fault and certainly one of my, my biggest whoopsies. All right, that's it, folks. That's a wrap on the startup stack for 2020. We're off next week for the holidays, but we'll be back in the new year with lots of great new episodes. Happy holidays. And talk to you then.
1: The Startup Stack, written and edited by Hannah Levy, produced by Leah Jackson.